Hey, how you doing? Phone episode. I've decided I'm going to start calling uh, phones nature phones. I'm going to start calling smartphones and cell phones nature phones. Uh, it's just the, it's the new thing since since I'm preaching the idea that this is all nature, which you know I'm not the first person to understand that. But you don't hear very many people talk about how computers are nature too. Computers are nature. Your car is nature. And, I'm, and that works for me because nature is brutal. Nature is vicious. Nature is destructive. Fire is natural. Poison. Predators. All kinds of things. But fire, I think, might be the best example. If fire is nature... I don't see why all of these other destructive human things can't be nature too. And I don't think all these human things are inherently destructive either. Like I don't know that a I don't know that my nature phone is is inherently destructive. I don't know about all the signals and all that. Bees, the birds and Have you heard the story of the birds and the bees? It's when they fell out of the sky when they invented the the smartphone. By calling it a nature phone, you're ignoring the fact that it knocked the birds and the bees out of the sky. Speaking of phones, you know, it's interesting. What's been going on lately, I like that it's getting people's wheels turning. For example, a girl I know is she, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to out her, but a girl I know, kind of, you know, just. Uh, it's sort of a girl who lives in this area who I've been sort of friends with. You know, we don't we don't hang out, uh, but I've been in touch with her a bit over the years. Um, but she, you know, she was collecting people's phone numbers and email addresses. You know, kind of in response to what's been going on with social media and all of that. And you know, that's smart. You know, it's you might see it as paranoid. Like, what do you have to worry about? What do you have to worry about? Are you a are you a national a national socialist? You know, I, I think even beyond all that kind of, you know, all that kind of generalizing. Oh, like I mean, that, because the the argument of if you're not committing a crime, why are you worried about the police? You know, like that. It's that same exact argument that people use when they say, "Oh, what are you so worried about social media for?" You're not a Nazi, are if you're not a Nazi, why are you worried about getting banned on social media? It's the same exact argument as if you're not committing a crime, then why are you worried? It's it's that same bogus argument. But she was collecting email addresses, phone numbers. She's a she's an agent. She's an agent. No, but she's you know, she's just a girl who who's involved in Asatru, very intelligent girl, and uh She's involved in a Satru and, you know, some pagan stuff. And, you know, she's, I, you know, I don't know her super well, but she's definitely not a dangerous person by any means. But I think what she's doing is smart simply because we've invested a lot of our contact with people through these mediums and their nature too. You know, they're just, they're different forests. You know, Facebook is a forest Instagram is a forest. Twitter is a forest. 
You know, that's how you have to see it. They're, they're different jungles. They're different jungles, baby. <laughs> if a girl asks you, oh, do you have a, do you have an Instagram account? You say, I, I, I'm part of a different jungle, baby. Add me on Facebook. That's my jungle. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, her idea, like someone might say it's paranoid or, or what do you, what, what does she have to be worried about? That's all bogus. I think it's simply, we're realizing that social meteor can be taken away very quickly. And with that, you know, there's been a lot of investment. Cause I mean, I think about things like, you know, there are little ideas, like little jokes I've made that I don't like go back and reference, but you know, it, it would kind of suck to lose that. It would kind of suck to lose the record of that. There are pictures that I've uploaded that I didn't save a hard copy of, and it would suck to lose that. It would suck to lose that. So there's things like that, you know, that just on that level, but, and also just, there's people where, uh, you know, very few people email. I still email some of my friends email. I like people who email. I got made fun of. I was uh, a friend of mine years ago, someone I worked with, but who was also, you know, a pretty good friend of mine at the time. She made fun of me because she found out that I still email friends. She was like, this is like 2015, 2014. She was like, you still use email? I mean, she was, you know, joking. She was giving me a hard time, but, you know, she, she also wasn't joking. You know, people don't email each other anymore, except I still have people... I still write letters. Emailing has become the, I still write letters. I mean, you just don't find very many people who write long form. And I do. I'm long-winded. I, you know, I could serve to shorten what I say on here. I could serve to shorten what I write, what I type. It's just, it's in me, though. And it doesn't take me a long time. You know, I'm, I'm a fast typer. I never learned how to use the home row, but my two pointer fingers go real quick. Um, it's like a guy I grew up with who, he was born with just a thumb on one hand. He was my neighbor and we were friends and he had, he was born with like a fist or not even, not a fist. Cause I think a fist requires fingers. He was born with like a palm with just a thumb and no fingers. And so what they did is they took a toe from each foot and grafted that onto his hand, and those two toes acted as these kind of small fingers, and he had incredible strength. Uh, he had just absolutely incredible strength. And he and I went to some sort of event where they had, you know, a, a baseball throw. Like, you could uh, throw, you, the idea was you throw a baseball as hard as you can at this target, and it tells you the miles per hour. And this guy didn't play baseball. Keep in mind, this guy didn't play baseball. And I don't really know the mechanism of pitching. I'm not a huge baseball guy. I don't really know. But I know like a knuckleball. I know the fingers. Like even though your arm is doing a lot of the work, I know a lot of the finesse of pitching involves your fingers. And uh, my neighbor, my friend... He threw the ball so incredibly fast, it blew my mind. I think it blew whoever was like, whoever was, uh, whatever you call the person, like the, the tenant, uh, you call it not a tenant, the person attending to the, to this activity, the person like who handed you the ball or whatever it is, the person who handed you the ball. Oh, that 
What do you do for a living? I'm the person who hands you the ball. No, but he, I think everybody was really shocked and impressed because, you know, he was he, one of those kids, you know, where his disability, if you can even call it that, didn't keep him down. You know, he could do everything that anybody else could do. It's just that he had two toes on his hand. But his he threw this baseball so hard. And we were kids. You know, we were growing up. And it blew my mind. And uh, not to compare myself to him, given that I I was born with all my fingers. But that's kind of how I feel about typing, where... I only use my pointer fingers, but I, I use them incredibly fast. So it's like while I'm limited, I'm not using the home row. I can type really fast with just my pointer fingers. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I think it might be a good thing that people are starting to look beyond. Like, you know, I think people are starting to look back, you know, to, oh, hey, you know, direct communication or communicating in smaller circles and that's something I've been aware of for a while because, you know, I've been, you know, I, I'll defend things like Facebook. I talk about social media all the time on here. Uh, <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I'm aware of that. But it fascinates me. You know, I studied sociology in school. That was my degree. I'm fascinated by it because I you you've never been given such... A top-down but also immersive view into that, in, into the sociological component of being a human, you know. And so that's the reason why I was, you know, fascinated by message boards. I referenced message boards earlier. I'm fascinated by social media or I'm fascinated by all this stuff. I'm fascinated by carnivals. Anything where I can observe people is very interesting to me. Um, but uh, with uh, social media, or you know, we're, we are realizing, you know, that it can be kind of pulled on you arbitrarily. And I'm not talking about Trumpsfeld. I'm just talking about in general. You know, you can lose a lot of, you know, you can lose photos because you know, to some people, that's a photo album, photos of your family. I mean, there's people who post photos of their kids that they might not even have elsewhere. And if you were to lose that account, even just for even if you got hacked, it's not even about this censorship conversation. It's like, even if just something went wrong, you know, it's even if the site, even if the whole site went down, the server, if the company failed, you know, just anything like that, you know, you've invested a certain amount in it. But I think it's good that people are looking at smaller circles and direct communication, not necessarily to replace this or not that you need to get off of these not that, not that you need to exit these forests, but it's good to to remember that that stuff is there, and you know, and just and maintain those forms of communication. Uh, and but I, I became aware of the fact that you don't want everybody to see what you're doing. You know, I'm someone whose life is very compartmentalized, and. It was a weird thing that happened. Like there was a particular workplace I had where everybody was really in each other's business all the time. And there was a good and a bad side of that. Because there was a lot of social reinforcement. So you made friends with your coworkers outside of work. A lot of coworkers hung out and that kind of thing. But your your coworkers are also, you know, in your business. 
And then the boss is in your business because, you know, they don't want to be left out. And so, you know, Facebook had a function, it has a function where, and it used to be easier to use, but, uh, they, uh, so you could limit who saw what you could, you could like determine that only a certain group of people could see certain things that you shared. And that was very important to me, especially with my art. Cause during that time, you know, it was when I was drinking a lot and I was drawing a lot of, you know, perverted stuff, not even stuff like some of it was stuff that kind of like satisfied my own perversions, some drawings of women and things like that, some kind of voyeuristic, just I'll admit creepy drawings. And it's not like that was like what I like. This is what I like. You know, it's not even like that's what it was supposed to be in every case, but to some degree it was, it was just, it was a weird time. I was kind of like losing control of myself and I drew a lot of these things, and some of them I wasn't ashamed to share, but some of them I just didn't want my coworkers to see, or family, or you know, just certain people. You didn't want to, you know. It's just it was weird that everybody was exposed to this, and uh, so you know, you you'd select a certain group of people. You'd set up a group who would see what you're doing, and. One time I made a mistake, though, because I drew this drawing. that It wasn't even that good, and I did it with colored pencils and ink. And I was drawing a lot of women in thongs. I went through a phase where I was just drawing. It seemed like everything I drew was a woman in a thong with her back facing the viewer. But there was one I did, and it was a blonde girl in a, kind of a dark red thong. Not sure why I chose that. Here's why I chose this, you know. Oh, what, 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 why did you choose this? Why did you choose this color? You know, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, but uh, and I was like this, and and then I there was like a, a gloved hand reaching out, like like attempting to grab the girl's ponytail. Like she was just standing there, and the gloved hand was reaching out to grab her her blonde ponytail. And I was like, well, this is definitely one that I only want to share with a select group of people. But like there was also a function on Facebook to where you could share it with everybody but exclude certain people. And I I must have been drunk or something because instead of sharing it with only a select group of people, I ended up sharing it. Well, I I guess I just I, I like did the inverse of what I meant to do. And the only people I shared it with were my boss, a girl I worked with, and like, like basically I only shared it with my coworkers. And that's, and nobody ever said anything. Nobody ever said anything. I, I corrected my mistake in the morning, but like there was definitely enough time for everybody to have seen it. And nobody said anything. I don't know that anybody talked to me that day though. And they wouldn't have known that only they saw it. But you can see where this function, like, I completely screwed up. And it's like, I did the exact opposite of what I meant to do. And I was just like, oh, my God, horrible, horrible. But I like that that's a function. And I still use it to some degree, you know, like, where it's like some people just don't need to see certain things. And it's not about exclusivity. It's just like you just know they don't need to see certain things. It's it's pretty obvious. It's pretty intuitive. 
And Instagram doesn't have that. Instagram's a different forest. You heard of the you've heard of Sherwood Forest, you've heard of Facebook Forest. Have you heard of Instagram Forest? You can you can access it on your nature phone. But uh Instagram to my knowledge doesn't allow you to do that with your posts. But uh it does with like what are called stories, which I didn't use for a long time. And you know, this is all this is I'm very self-conscious of what I'm talking about here. I talk about social media or this part of the show. I talk about social media or, but, um, the stories I found out does allow you. I just recently discovered this. I'd, I'd seen it, but I recently discovered basically, I basically just realized, oh, I can use this actually. It's something called close friends. And it's funny in the world of social media or, you know, like, like friend has lost its meaning. I don't think it has. Like, I, I don't, I'm not one of these people who's like, you know, these people aren't your friends, right? But, you know, it has definitely stretched the use of the word friend to simply mean that anybody and everybody that you are mutually connected to in the forest. The other, these are the other trees in the forest. Because that's the thing is that you're a part of the forest. You're one of the trees in this crazy forest we're a part of. Um, but with that, uh, you know, you only want certain trees to, to see certain things. And I discovered there's in this, well, anyway, what I was saying is like, it's kind of like stretched the word friend, your friend list. And it's like newsflash. They're not really your friends. Not all these people are your friends. It's like, of course, duh, that's obvious. But it's kind of funny to me now there's like this function on Instagram, close friends. And I was like, you know, I can make use of this because I hate to admit this, but I've been afraid to really broadcast this show. Not that it gets much fanfare, not that I promote it. Like I, I've never really promoted it. Like I've, I've, all, I've told people about it before. I've, I've shared it on social media or over the years and it's kind of lost. I feel like it's lost interest. Like when I initially started doing this show – it seemed like everybody I knew was not everybody, but a lot of people were giving me positive feedback. A lot of people were really interested and it was like 2013. So it, it was a different time. I think it was 2000 late 2013. I think is when I started doing it. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, people weren't really listening to podcasts that often it, they existed, but it, it definitely wasn't the world we're in now. And so the idea of somebody you know doing something like a radio show was pretty new to people. And so I got a lot of encouragement and uh, that kind of thing. And then over time, I mean, maybe just maybe this is an indictment of me and, and how unbearable the show has become or just how hard to keep up with. But like it, the show gets very little fanfare when I mention it. But especially lately with the political and social climate being what it is, I haven't. I very rarely mention it anywhere, and when I do, I do so with reluctance, and I often like delete it after I share it. Not because I feel like there's anything that's that controversial. Not that, not you know, I don't feel like there's anything that it's maybe a little weird. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into some self analysis. I know that's one of the least interesting things I do all the time. But it's just one of those things where I'm just like, you know, in this climate, it's so easy for people to take your words out of context. 
And even if they take them in context, it's so easy for them to hold it against you just for riffing. I mean, if you look at the comments sections of more popular podcasts, I'll do that just as an exercise. And it's amazing what people hold these hosts to. He said this. And, you know, it's, they, they get into that kind of thing. And it's like, unless you've done something like this, you don't know how easy it is to just say something and to have it come across any number of ways. And yeah, sometimes I probably do say things that maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I definitely say things that I, I think are controversial at times, but I don't think that this is a, a significantly controversial show. It's not significantly controversial. It's not mean-spirited. It's not, I don't think it's that offensive to anybody in particular. Maybe to me, <laughs> you know, maybe this show is, I think if it's offensive to anybody, it's like, I'm, I'm the one who, I'm the one who should be offended by this show. Um, but I, I've become very reluctant to mention it. And, uh, so I discovering that, oh, there's a close friends function. It's an easy way that I can just let people know. And so basically I added people to this close friends thing. And it's not like I have a lot of people, I'm not in contact with a lot of people. You know, I don't, I don't have a lot of Instagram friends to begin with. So, you know, it's, it's not a very large group of people. But basically, I, I added anybody who I think isn't a wimp. And I don't, and it's not that the other people are wimps. Not all of them are wimps. Some of them, I think, are just so politically charged. And so socially charged. And, and they have so much animosity about it right now. And I'm not trying to take that away from them. But I basically don't even want to tempt them to, to come here. I don't even want to give them the idea. And if they already know about the show and they decide to look into it, that's, that's their own fault for rubbing their nose in it. But uh, it's just, I don't know. I'm just like, it, I'm, I'm glad that I found a way that I can let people know. It's just like a bat. It's the bat signal. Hey, there's another night school. Once in a blue moon, there's an every night's a school night. You know, I just wanted a way to like send the bat signal out to a relatively small group of people who might care. And it sucks that that's how things feel. Because look, going back to when I started doing every night's a school night, like it was much more focused on the songs but the commentary was dark. Like I would drink and rant and rave, and it was actually a lot more misanthropic. It was a, it was a lot nastier. You know, my my entire tone, everything that I had to say, w dwelt, dwelled, dwelt. Uh, it, you know, dwelled in this much more uh, miserable place, and that, and for me, like. A more miserable place means kind of snapping, lashing out a little more. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wasn't that way. It feels that way when I look back on it. But it's weird that there was, you know, people were okay with it then. People were okay with some of the darker territory, maybe some of the more controversial statements I might have made earlier on. It seemed that way to me, at least. And maybe this is all in my head. Maybe nobody ever finds this show offensive. But like I mentioned, you know, some people have commented. I, a couple times I've received comments about things that I've said on here, 
and people took issue, and that's their right to take issue. I don't think they judged me completely, and I, I don't have a persecution complex. I don't have a victim complex, especially not an imagined one. You know, I, I don't have any kind of persecution fantasy where I'm imagining all these hordes of people. These, these hordes of people are out, out to listen to my show and hate me. You know, I don't even have that attitude. But in the same way that the girl I know, the Asatru girl was reaching out to people to just get their contact info. I think it's for the very same reason that I'm, and I don't think that she has a lot to worry about. I don't think that she has a lot to worry about. I don't know what she's involved in, but from what I know of her being friends with her over the years, I don't think there's a lot for her to worry about. But I think we, I think many people who don't fall into a certain category or who, who don't declare ourselves in certain ways or who, you know, might, make certain arguments or make certain statements or don't denounce certain people or, you know, whatever it is. I think some of us are just uh, a little bit feeling a little strange. Like maybe uh, you got to be careful about just who even knows about the things you do. And uh, so it's, you know, (laughs) long story short, I found out a way to like, just show to send the bat signal out to us to a relatively small group of people just to let them know there's a new episode and if you happen to listen to this and you're like i didn't see the bat signal it's it's not personal and maybe you just didn't see it maybe you're on the list and you just missed it Uh, it's not like i'm going to send the bat signal out to everybody or i mean i mean it's not like i'm going to send the bat signal out every time i do an episode because that'd be too too much um but uh just certain people have given me a vibe certain people i i think that they are you know uh i don't i don't think that they they are open right now that doesn't mean they're permanently closed it doesn't mean they're horrible people but i i don't think that they are open right now i think they are very closed i think they're scared I think they I think they're scared of everything. And what do you do with that? You know, I think I don't I don't want to interact with people who are scared unless I think I can help them. I mean, I have a friend, a good friend of mine who's going through a really hard time, unbelievably hard. Um, an ancient, you know, an ancient sort of difficulty. And by that, I mean, you know, like marital issues. He fell. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say too much more because I don't want to say too much about him, you know, and and I, I don't know that he would appreciate me you know, getting into all this, but it's like, you know, he's going through, uh, you know, a, a, a real marital problem and, you know, he also got injured recently and his situation would bring even the strongest person down. It would bring me down real low and he's handling it so well. And he's been sharing some of his insights, you know, he's been delving into, you know, some spiritual stuff that I don't even know about, you know, I, cause I don't know, I don't know about a lot of stuff. You know, he's, he's very into Manly P. Hall. Um, is it Levi? You know, he's into some of this stuff like that. And he's been sharing that with me. And he, he's been doing extremely well. And I was just thinking about him because, you know, he has every excuse in the world to 
Come on, Batty, come inside. Come inside. Come inside. Come in. Hey, come in. This is the standoff. Come in. Um, but, you know, he, he has every reason in the world, including the world, you know, because we're all impacted by what's going on in the world right now. It's been going on socially, politically, biologically, you know, with the coronavirus, whatever that is. And uh, he, uh, he has every reason in the world to be in the worst possible place. And I'm just so impressed by how, how well he's doing. And uh, I'm, I'm getting like he's giving he's passing on knowledge to me and it's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's legitimately inspiring. You know, I was talking about that other friend earlier who inspired me to run. Well, it's like, I'm comparing notes with this friend of mine who's going through this difficult situation. Like, like, cause I mean, anytime you talk to somebody, you're going to be like, oh, that reminds me of me. You know, it's easy to do that. I mean, and by that, I just mean you go, oh, okay, here's, here's how I, here's how I dealt with this when I was in a situation that, that was extremely difficult. That's all I mean, you know, just relating. It's called relating. Uh, I'm not talking about some like narcissistic. It's all about me. Your problems are all about me. Oh, oh, you're going through problems in your life that have nothing to do with me. Did you know they're all about me too? <laughs> no, but he, um, uh, you know, I've been comparing notes with them, but then I, I have to take a step back and be like, you know, but on the other hand, it's like, I've never been married. I don't have a child. And I don't know, I have no idea what it's like to be in that situation. So like I'm gaining this great insight into another person's strength and another person's uh, experience. And that's just wonderful. And I see him though, and I'm just like, man, he has every reason in the world to be a victim right now. He has every reason in the world to pity himself. And he's just, he's digging, he's digging deep. And, and as he said to me, you know, it's not even something he's choosing to do. You know, it's, it's this involuntary thing. And that is something I relate to. I mean, like going back to, you know, difficulties I've faced in the last year. And it often does feel involuntary. Like when you have this strength, you almost feel like you don't have a choice and you would only be indulging in pity just to like manipulate people or something or get something which you don't want when you're strong that's the last thing you ever want to do when you feel like a surge of strength the last thing in the world you want to do is manipulate people or receive pity because that itself is is the inverse of your strength um so that's just incredible you know it's incredible to see that um you know, I can't remember how, how I got here, but uh, I don't know. Like, I guess that, that's, that's just a, a good general subject, which is that, like, even though there is intense stuff going on and even though people's minds seem to be very – I guess why, why I was thinking about him is just because he has every reason to shut down right now. He has every reason to close down and get into like black and white thinking like his situation is one which i won't comment on it's one that would bring the black and white thinking out of any man like you know it's just that kind of thing and uh the fact that he's not going there with it is really impressive to me 
And you see people, though, who aren't going through nearly as difficult of a situation as he is, and they are in this just completely closed down, fearful, nasty place. And I don't hold that against them. I really don't hold that against them because I know that something has possessed them. And what we're seeing really does feel like some kind of possession. It really does feel like people are possessed. And I... I'm not going to call it demonic possession, but, you know, it, it certainly has brought the ghoulishness out of people. And I, I'm deliberately looking at it a little bit. I almost got sucked into, you know, participating in it, not like the ghoulish aspect, but just trying to reason with it. And you can't reason with a possessed person. And, you know, I got sucked into that a little bit last weekend and I suffered for it. Not suffered horribly, but I mean, I, I didn't feel as good. I felt substantially worse, even though I had things I wanted to tell people and points I wanted to make, I felt substantially worse. But it's like you're dealing with a degree of possession, and, I, and I, that might even sound condescending because I don't feel that the people I was talking to are all possessed or something, but everything around, everybody around them is possessed. And if you find yourself agreeing with possessed people, and and this is a both sides argument. I don't I don't like the way that the both sides argument gets dismissed because I think it I think there is something essential to outlining what goes on, on on both sides. And this is the only like actual political statement I'm going to make, but it's like I do believe there is possession on not both sides on every side this three-dimensional sphere is filled with some kind of possession right now. And I think that possession is always there. There's always possessed people. There's always cults. There's always dogmatic thinking. But it's right now, it seems to have spread throughout the entire sphere of human thought, at least in America. But I mean, I pay attention to what's going on in other countries. And I think this goes on in other countries like, like, there are times where things are going relatively well in America, but if you were to read about what's going on in another country, this sort of possession is happening there. So, you know, it's not that this possession ever is ever gone from the planet. Just because you're not seeing it around you the way we're seeing it right now doesn't mean, like, go to the Middle East. I've never been there, but I can guarantee you all of this conflict that has been going on there, there are possessed people there and, uh, you know, just that sort of thing. But anyway, just, you know, I'm giving my friend a lot of credit that he has every opportunity available to him to be possessed by his situation and possessed by the world and he's not giving in. I just really, I admire that. Um, but with people being so possessed, I mean, to make it about me again... Oh, did I hear, did you say me? Did you say me? No, but uh, to make it about me again, it's just like with the possession going on, I'm just like, you know, you know, you got to be careful. People are looking at you through possessed eyes. How many times can I say possessed in this episode without being possessed myself? Um, but uh, yeah, you, you have to remember that, that it's like people are seeing you through possessed eyes right now. And that doesn't mean you should hide. That doesn't mean you in turn should be fearful. And you know, I, I, legit, I legitimately wonder if there is a single human being 
who is afraid of me? And that's a question for anybody. That is a good question for anybody. Is there anybody out there like on a ongoing basis? Like, yeah, like there might be a situation where you make somebody afraid because you're mad or you fly off the handle or you do something and there's different forms of fear. Like, I mean, there's, there's people who fear upsetting you. Like there's people who fear like your anger in it on like an, an, an emotional level where it's like, Oh, uh, I'm upset because I pissed that person off and they got mad at me. You know, there's that kind of thing too, but, um, we all fear each other in that way. You know, we all fear being criticized. There's that kind of thing. So, I mean, we all like live in fear of each other. We all live in fear of each other. No, we all live in some sort of fear of each other. But, uh, you know, it's a good question to ask. Like, are there, is there anybody out there who actually like has, has a fear of danger? And if the answer is yes, you know, I think you should dig into why that is and ask yourself, like, what have you done to contribute to that? And if you can't find anything, that's great. Um, I, I think that, you know, sometimes I, I throw some chaos out. You know, I, I think I sometimes throw some chaotic energy out into the world. Especially if you only see what I do through the social meteor or in these forests. Like if you were to only see me express myself through the Instagram forest or something like that's just usually pure chaotic energy, impulse and chaotic energy. And I can see somebody being put off by that. I can, no, I mean like that's the thing about, I can completely understand why somebody would be put off by me. I can completely understand that. But when that veers into like fear and danger, and even if somebody doesn't fear you or find you dangerous to them, the fact that right now people could potentially see you as dangerous to some idea or something larger. And that's something I have to look at myself because like I can tell you, even though I don't like what's going on with censorship and big tech and uh, to a large degree leftism and uh you know to some degree like the uh the Trumpsfeld supporters who have fl- just gone completely haywire in the last couple of weeks last couple of weeks you mean the last uh, millennium the Trumpsfeld supporters have been going crazy for a, a thousand years you know uh, whatever it is um you know, while, while it's like I can identify certain behavior, because that's all the, I'm talking about the possession again, all these possessed people. While I, I, I do actually fear some of the possession I see, it's important for me not to associate people I know with that. Like, just because I see somebody as possessed doesn't mean that, like, I see them as dangerous. I'm just limiting maybe, my, like... I just maybe don't want to interact with them, you know. I, I I don't. I maybe don't want to really deal with them, and they don't really want to deal with me. Nobody's knocking on my door, you know. Nobody, uh, you know, not not them at least. I mean, I, I, you know, 
I, I, I've been very fortunate in that I've been talking to a lot of people the last few days. It's actually incredible, and I'm, I'm just amazed by it. I'm amazed at how just like, I think people need to talk to, to each other right now. I think there's a great need to talk to people who aren't possessed. And I'm possessed in my own way, but like as I've said on here before, like there was a pro wrestler when I was a kid called One Man Gang. I'm a one-man cult. So any possession I have is my own. You know, it's purely devotion to my own cult. And it's actually a two-man cult because, I've, you know, Batty's a part of it now. And he's actually the leader, unsurprisingly. So it, it shouldn't be surprising to anybody <laughs> that Batty has, has actually, since he's come into my life, and he's been in my life for a few years, but since he moved into my house and he's now with me, Batty took over the cult. Of course, of course, that's always how it works. But, you know, in the same way One Man Gang was a pro wrestler, you know, I'm my my pro wrestler name is One Man Cult. Uh, so, anyway, I don't know. I'm, I just think about these things. I, I do. And uh, it's, it's my way of making sense or trying to. And it's unfortunate. I don't, I don't feel like a victim, though. Like, oh, God, I, I don't feel comfortable sharing my podcast with the entire world, most of who couldn't even care less, you know, it's, uh, I don't feel like a victim because of that or anything like that, but it's just, to me, it's just, it's, it's not even about me for once. For once, it's not even about me. What that is, is that's about the world. And I think sometimes we enter into these periods where, yeah, you just realize, okay, you know, this is what's happening. And even though like I crashed last Sunday and I was feeling very down I felt pretty excited. I felt pretty ecstatic, to be honest. Like my friend who's going through a difficult personal time, and he was saying he's feeling almost ecstatic, despite his situation. You can get into that. You know, you can you can tap into that, and you should never deny that. Like you should never let that derail reality, and you should never lie to yourself or deny what's going on or what's happening to you. But it's like, if you are feeling ecstatic against all odds, you live it, man. You, you should never take that for granted. You should treasure that, but don't focus on it too much because focusing on it too much, it's like, it's like what I say about happiness, where it's like, if you're feeling really happy, sometimes the worst thing to say is, I feel so happy. Or like if you're witnessing something awesome with somebody else, and, and they turn to you and they say, isn't this awesome? Sometimes that kind of takes you out of the moment. Um, so when you're feeling ecstatic, you know, you don't necessarily want to think that. You don't want to think, oh God, I feel ecstatic right now. It's something you'll experience in meditation where if you do reach, you know, something of a transcendental state, the second you think, oh, I'm in a transcendental state is the moment you're out of that transcendental state. And that transcendental state isn't entirely different from your emotions. Even though it itself isn't an emotional state, like a meditational, a transcendental meditation state, like even though that itself isn't an emotion, it works very similarly in that regard where it's like the second you see it, it disappears. 
but yet you want it. You, but yet you, you have a need to know that it's happening too. So that's sort of the catch 22. That's sort of the dilemma is that it's like you desire this thing and you want to feel it and you want to know it's happening. You want to know it's there. But yet if you focus on that too much, if you focus on the fact that it's, it's happening, it stops happening. The other example is ego death. If you've experienced ego death, you know that the second you say to yourself, ego death, I'm experiencing an ego death, an ego death. That's the second that your ego blows up huge again. It becomes a big hot air balloon. You know, that's just how it works. And uh, it's cool. I'm glad it works that way. I'm glad that the whole thing works that way. I'm glad that sometimes, you know, directly acknowledging something is what pops the balloon or blows it back up again in the case of the ego. Because, uh, you know, that is, it is it is a very egotistical statement to say, oh, I, I'm experiencing an ego, ego death, ego death. Let go my ego, dude. Lego my ego. I'm sure somebody's made that joke. I've been making that joke for years. That's my joke. My ego says that's my joke. Lego my ego. That's my joke. Um, but, uh, I don't know. You know, flow states obviously work that way. Where sometimes, you know, but sometimes though you're so ecstatic. Sometimes your energy is so thick. That uh, nothing can stop it. Sometimes even talking about it, thinking about it, looking right at it, it still doesn't go away. And that's crazy. If you've experienced that, that is something else. Those moments where you can stare right at it and say, it's happening. And nothing can possibly disrupt it. That's, you know, my mom's death. I, I bring that up a lot. But it turns out that was a profound experience that wasn't that long ago. And I'm still coming to understand. But that was certainly that sort of experience where it was like, oh, nothing can actually disrupt this. I know exactly what's happening. I'm staring at it. I almost feel like I'm seeing my own life from a, a different point of view. I almost feel like there's a I almost feel like I'm looking down upon myself. Not that I actually had an out-of-body experience, but it was like nothing can disrupt this. Nothing can possibly break this. And, of course, that's not a permanent state. And, I mean, if you lived that way permanently, you might lose your mind. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know if anybody lives that way permanently. Because I think if you tell people, <laughs> I think I think if you tell people that you are permanently in that kind of state, you know, I don't know, I don't know. You might you might have an ego. You might your ego might be out of control. You might be trying to sell something, is what I would think. I can sell you something that you know, where you can stay in this ecstatic, productive, illuminated state all the time. And nothing can disrupt it. I have a service. I, I, I do a service. 
And here's what you got to do. You got to you got to follow me on uh, the social meteor forest first. Make sure you you like and subscribe to me on the the YouTube forest because we haven't even talked about the YouTube forest. In fact, we don't talk much on this show. I don't I don't talk. Uh, <laughs> we uh, I I don't talk much about the YouTube forest. It feels so good to say we, though. Like, that's another thing about, like, doing a show like this. Like, one, it's so easy to say stupid things. It's so easy to not make sense. It's so easy to say things you don't mean. It's so easy to say things that could be misinterpreted. And it's so easy to say we. Because, like, because, you know, I'm representing a brand here, guys. I'm representing a brand. I love how quickly that burned out. You know, I love how quickly, like, calling something a brand. That's my brand. Hey, this is my brand. I got to protect my brand. Like, individuals having brands. People quickly saw through that. Although, you know, I'm sure somebody's still doing it. This is my brand. Nature phone. Use nature phone. That's what I'm gonna. That's my million dollar idea. Is a smartphone that just looks natural. Probably already exists. Like there's probably like a a rubber smartphone cover, like one of those protectors that looks like bamboo or something. It's probably got like a bamboo <laughs> texture or look. My idea is to have a smartphone cover, a smartphone. Guard, what do you what do you call these things? Like a, like a protector? Let's just call it a um a sheath. My idea is to have a smartphone sheath that has leaves and twigs growing off it. It's the first uh, it's the first smartphone sheath that has plant life growing on it. You water it. You gotta water it and it grows. You water it and it grows and, uh, you know, you'll see some people and they got like a, a 10 foot long branch sticking off of their phone. And it makes sense because it's, you know, it's how you access all the different forests. It's how you access all the different forests. To have twigs and all that growing off your phone. Somebody's going to steal this from me and I'm going to hunt them down. Somebody's going to steal this idea from me and I, I will hurt them. And that will be the statement that gets me kicked off. That will be the statement that gets me deplatformed for inciting violence, saying somebody's going to steal my idea for an organic smartphone sheath protector that has real plant life growing off of it. The thing is, I can visualize it. I can visualize that perfectly. It's all nature, baby. This is just full circle because it's all nature. And the future is to have real plant life, real organic matter growing out of these things. That's the future. And you heard it here first. Is that we are going to be using these things to grow things.
And no, I'm not, I'm not talking about 3D printing or any of that. I'm talking about things growing from these things. Things that that sound that's perfectly vague. Things growing from things. No, I'm specific here. There's going to be plants growing out of your smartphone. There's going to be plants growing out of your nature phone. The nature phone won't just be some sort of. Uh, there will be no exaggeration, no hyperbole, no analogy, no metaphor, no. It'll be very literal. Because, you know, right now, smartphones as they currently are, are nature phones to me. Even these, you know, like fake metallic plastic, whatever this aesthetic is. You know, whatever, whatever this design is called, whatever this look is called, you know, it's already nature to me. It's already nature in my hand right now. But uh, it's it's going to go full circle and it's going to resemble the old nature. Traditional nature. I like traditional nature. Oh, are you talking about traditional nature? Like where, where it's like uh, you have a vase? No, that's not traditional nature. Do you think that's nature? In the same way that a book isn't nature. Well, I mean, it is. To me, it is. But it's like in the same way I use the comparison where it's like your phone is as natural as a book. It's further along in the process, but your phone is as natural as a book. And a book is a smartphone to a caveman. A plant growing in a vase is unnatural to a plant growing in the woods or in a field. So it's like part of just this thing is this further detachment. You know, it's like, because that's what it is. It's like you've detached a plant from the ground and you've put it in this vase that you keep in your home. So it's like, that's a level of detachment, but yet it's still nature. Like you would still look at a plant growing out of, out of a vase and say, yeah, that's nature. Well, you're going to be thinking the same thing when you see a plant growing out of a smartphone. And you're going to be saying the phrase nature phone as freely as you would smartphone. Because there was a time where you never would have said smartphone and you might have been reluctant. Like, I mean, it took me years to start saying smartphone. I still say cell phone. I still say cell phone. Like, But there was a, a definitely a, a rough transition for me between cell phone and smartphone where it's like, why do we need to call it something else? Yeah, it's more advanced. It's still a cell phone. And I mean, and then before that, it was car phone. Like when I was a kid, you'd come across the rare person who would have a, a mobile phone and everybody called them a car phone. Oh, it's, he's got a car phone. And then cell phone replaced car phone and then smartphone replaced cell phone. And then nature phone replaced smartphone. And we're back to nature. And you're going to get used to saying that. You're going to get used to saying nature phone. Mark my words. Nature phone.
This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave, this golden land to me. And when the morning sun reveals her hills and plains, I see a land where children can run free. So take.